Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Hello and welcome back everyone to Simplify Jesus. It feels like it's been forever with the Thanksgiving break and everything yes. else going on. We hope you all had a wonderful, blessed Thanksgiving. Good time with family and friends and lots of turkey and ham and dressing and all that fun stuff. I know I did. I'm pretty sure you did too, didn't you? Oh yeah, we had a great time. We had a great time just hanging out with family, unplugging a little bit. It's good food. It was good stuff. Yeah, it was good to take a few days off and just relax. Yeah. We need that sometimes. Yes. So... So now we're going to jump into a whole new uh, book of the Bible. So in our last episode, we left off with Moses uh, leading the people in building the tabernacle based on God's commands. Everybody in a group of 600,000 plus came together and and brought their time and talents and resources. And and, uh, of course, I'm sure there were some People that, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's probably true back then too. <laughs> probably so. Not There's nothing new under the sun, right? Right. So probably not all of them, probably not even close to it, but a lot of them brought their time and talents and resources together to build the tabernacle as God instructed. And when it was complete, God's presence came and rested on the tabernacle as the meeting place between God and the Israelites. That was the one place they could go and commune with God if they did it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of the scary part. But <laughs> but now we're still going to be talking about Moses and, and all the Israelites, but we're going to be in Leviticus, which we kind of warned you about. It can get a little boring. It's a little bit of a sleeper, but um, we're going to see what we can do to keep it interesting, keep it high level, make sure that um, we're not killing you with facts. And <laughs> we're just going to kind of go through it a little bit and... and try to explain some of the things that are going on in there, you know, in the, in the way that we might be able to view it today um, because things were so much different back then. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's, we always say there's a reason, right? Uh, yeah. God does everything for the good of those who love him. <laughs> That's and, right. And uh, he was even doing everything for the good of them too, um, even though sometimes it didn't seem like it. Yeah. So Matt, why don't you, why don't you start us off and see where it leads us? Yeah. So, so Leviticus is... Whereas the, the other stuff that we've been going through in Genesis and Exodus is, is really the story of God's people. Leviticus takes a step back and is laying out the law that God gave to Moses. So if you go back to um, our episode a few weeks back, when we talked about the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law, we hit on some of these kind of, I guess, ar- overarching themes of the law uh, that God gave to Moses. But Leviticus really gets down to the nitty gritty, explains a lot of those things and has the law overall written out in, I wouldn't say in totality, like it's got, not that it has everything, but it really explains, gets in, gets into the details. Uh, We'll just leave it at that. And so it's a more detailed list of the laws, including what they're supposed to do, um, what they're not supposed to do, and even gets into sacrifices, festivals, all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of an overall theme of Leviticus is it lays it out where the name comes from. It was the Levitical law. So at this point, it hasn't been real firmly established yet. So the Levites came from the son of uh, Jacob that was Levi and that's, it's his descendants and they became the priests and the, the people who would take care of the tabernacle, take care of the temple and all that. And so they were also kind of the keepers of the law. And so Leviticus comes 
that name comes from it being the Levitical law and what they were to uphold. And so that's, that's where all of that comes from. And, and so we're just going to walk through a little bit today of what is in the book of Leviticus. It's 27 chapters. If you read ahead and you're staying on track with us, more power to you. I'm impressed. Uh, it's, it's a tough one to work through, but we're just going to kind of keep it high level, talk a little bit about what's in there. You were talking about the detail mm-hmm. uh, and how much was in there. You know, I, I thought the, obviously the, the attention to detail in this is incredible because of everything yeah. that he goes through to the letter of what they should do, what they shouldn't do, what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat. If you have this disease or that disease, if you, it just, I have a hard enough time coming up with SOPs for my business. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's no way. I don't, even back then, you know, we, we talk about how, how true the the Bible is. Yeah. There's no way these people came up with all of this on their own. Oh yeah. As detailed as this is, the foresight that was there to say, if you do this, this, and this, and this, and this, then this is what you got to do. Right. There's, there's no way it was anything other than God. You know, and, and that it's so interesting. So, so two, two kind of things about that. One is that absolutely divinely inspired, right? Like you said, no way they came up with it on their own. And so for anybody that thinks that they did this so that they gave themselves this law, it's just, that's just kind of crazy. But the other thing that I think is important when we, when you look at a book like Leviticus or when you're reading through laws and stuff is to remember that when this was given to them, the, what was going on in the world around them matters, right? When we read about things that don't line up with how we do things today, and it's like, oh, well, why would God do that? Why would God tell them this or that or the other? You've got to remember what culture they were in. We've been talking about it. They're in the Bronze Age. They're coming out of the Stone Age. This is this is a very different world than 21st century where you say something and 10 seconds later, you might be a meme on Twitter, right? Like <laughs> that. this is not the world they lived in. <laughs> um, and so it's important to keep that in context when we're reading through this stuff, that these were laws that were written for them at that time that still apply to us. And we still get, get stuff out of it, but it doesn't the literal, like when we read it, literally the words on the page, it may not apply in the same way now that it did back then. Right. Right. And that's, that's a very important distinction to, it took me forever to get to a point where I thought, oh, we don't have these issues now. We don't have to deal with this. We have antibiotics. Yeah. (laughs) We have penicillin. We have uh, all these things to keep us healthy that they didn't have. Yeah. So no wonder they couldn't eat certain animals or do certain things. Right. For example. Well, and, and even things, you know, when you look at like laws about slavery and that kind of stuff. And, you know, some people kind of take offense to that. It's like, oh, well, it's promoting slavery. It's, well, no, it's it's really not. But the reality was slavery was a thing in biblical times. And so God said, hey, if this is going to be part of your community, this is how you got to do it. You've got to treat them with respect. And that slave master relationship needs to look a certain way. But that was just part of the culture. It wasn't, that doesn't make it right. That doesn't mean that it's promoting it for today. It's just saying, hey, because this is something that's happening, this is what that needs to look like. Yeah, but let's be real. Slavery was a thing a hundred years ago. Yeah. No, still doesn't make it right. Yeah. But the general population approved it. Sadly, yeah. And it took a really big war to stop it. Right. You know, uh, it, and it took a country finally deciding, no, that's enough. Yeah. And making a change, mm-hmm. which is what it takes today. Yeah. But people weren't doing that back then. Right. Unless, I mean, 
that's not true. They were they were fighting for what they needed and what they believed in. Mm-hmm. And they were fighting for what God told them to do. Yeah. Which, you know, I can look at the Bible and say, why on earth would he do that? <laughs> and we may never know. Yeah. But that's the way it was. And there were reasons behind it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, and I think that's the thing we've got to remember is there are reasons behind it. And if you want to dive deeper into that, you know, go study it, go study the culture, go study what else was going on. Look at what it looked like back then and, and see how it plugs in. And and people have done that. Um, You you don't have to go discover all this on your own. People have done the research. They know what this looked like. And so go, go use those resources, go talk to a pastor, um, you know, there, there are people a lot smarter than us who have dug into this stuff. So don't, what I'm saying is if you're struggling with it, don't just take it at face value and say, oh, well, just throw, you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater. Try to understand why it's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's one of the big things that people struggle with is they, they read this and instead of trying to understand it, they judge it. Yeah. And that's where we come in, right? That's what we're mm-hmm. trying to do is help you understand that, there was some bad crap in the Bible. Yeah. We're going to get into some stories and some books in here that are going to be just, what? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. happened how? Why? But it doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it's right. a made up story. Um, right. Sometimes, unfortunately, is what it is. And yeah. But we've got to make sure we remember that, as I said in the beginning, God does everything for the good of those who love him. Right. And we've got to remember that and look at where he took the Israelites mm-hmm. and we don't know why he had them, you know, take out the Canaanites. We don't know why he had, he flooded the world. Right. You know, he has his reasons for things. Who are we to judge God? Right. Yeah. You've got to, you have to start with, you have to start with the assumption. Okay. God's doing this for a reason. And it's for my good. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, what good is there? What good am I seeing in this? Yeah. So what are some of the themes in Leviticus then that define kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah. So, so the, the biggest one and the most obvious one is it defines what is sin, right? So sin is when we do something that disobeys God and it defines those things pretty extensively. If you look back again at what we studied in Exodus, God gave Moses some pretty specific things that they were not supposed to do. You look at the Ten Commandments, the first half is all things that you're not supposed to do. Uh, don't steal, don't kill, don't make idols, don't have any other gods before me, all that kind of stuff, right? In Leviticus, it goes much more extensively. There's a whole bunch of things they're not supposed to do. It, everything from clean and unclean animals that they're allowed to eat, that they're not allowed to even touch. Uh, it talks about the priests and what they're supposed to do with the tabernacle and the different things in the temple when that comes around. and But... One of the big themes, and when we think about Leviticus, the probably the thing that most of us think about is it tells us basically what to not do. The fact that it tells us what not to do, then um, we're going to do it. Yeah. Because he said not to do it. Right. Thankfully, he also had a way to absolve us of that when we did it, when when they did it. I wasn't there. We have Jesus now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to do all the work that they did, but what are some of the things that they had to do to apologize <laughs> so so the the biggest thing um i take away from the is when it comes to like the consequences for sin and whatnot a lot of it's really common sense stuff you know things like if you accidentally damage your neighbor's property then you help replace it it's kind of that um almost an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth mentality that's one of the consequences especially when it sins against the community against your neighbor 
Um, but it also defines how to handle sin when it comes to God, right? And that's the sacrificial system. That's what kind of when we look at the Old Testament, that was a big part of it is sacrifices. So, you know, it was often sacrificing an ox or a lamb or a sheep. Um, but but it, it clearly defines that when you do X, then this offering is required, um, whether that's a grain offering or a drink offering, um, whatever that looks like. Or if it's, like I said, making making good with your neighbor and taking care of them with whatever you accidentally or intentionally did. There was capital punishment for killing somebody else. Um, and, and just to, this is one of the things that people struggle with, but just to put it out there, one of the things that was a capital offense was bringing in other gods that was worthy of banishment from the community and even being stoned because God delivered you out of Egypt. He saved you from that oppression. Why would you bring in another God? Right. And it's not that we'll see later down the road that other gods entered in. And so people were immediately, you know, smited or whatever, but, but it shows the seriousness of that, that, that God took his place in the community very seriously. There were, were, were to be no other gods. And so well, we saw in the last book how quickly they turned to other gods. Moses is up on the mountain. And right. It, took it takes no a little time. too long. Yeah. Yeah. It took no time for them to say, oh, make us a calf because yeah. that delivered us out of Egypt. What? <laughs> no. No, it didn't. Moses is literally up on the mountain talking to the one that, <laughs> yeah. that delivered you out of Egypt. <laughs> so... I understand why God said, no, that's, there is, there is no gray areas with this. If you right. create another God, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, because if one person does it, it's bound to take over part of the community and it's going to spread. And, and you can't, again, from that perspective, we're talking about God is everything for the good. If we're going to have our faith in him, if he's the one leading us, then you can't allow any other gods in, in, in the mix. It's because it will spread. It'll take over. And, and that's, that's going to lead you down a path you don't want to go. And you need to treat it like, um, essentially like the cancer on the community that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and not saying that that is how we should handle things today, but for that day and age and for what they were doing, that's, that was the seriousness of that. Well, going back to the sacrificial system, mm. I, when I was reading this, you know, I made the comment to Emily. I just, how did they have time to do anything else? <laughs> These poor people were sacrificing daily, weekly, for different yeah. reasons, different types. Now, I wonder if that wasn't the main way that they took their meals. <laughs> was mm. was that a sacrifice, right? Because they got to eat everything, I think, almost everything. So typically the sacrifices went to the Levites. I'm trying to remember, I think, or at least a portion of it did, because that was how the Levites basically got to eat was through the sacrificial system is they didn't have their own portion of the land when they got into Canaan. And so the Israelites would bring in their sacrifices, whatever it may be, and it was cooked on the altar and they, and they took a portion of that. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point of if the, if the families took some of that as well as it was offered Right, um, because it said, you know, do not leave any for the next day. Yeah. You know, no leftovers. That was part of the rule. Right. And, of course, they don't want to throw any of that away. No. So everybody's going to get as many as needs it is going to get it. You're going to use it. As yeah. many as able. Yeah. But just the amount of time that they were <laughs> splattering blood on the on the temple and they were, you know. Right. Just all of the different rituals that they had to do. I just, obviously now we're talking Bronze Age. 
They didn't have nine to five jobs. Right. Their job was to take care of their families, right. worship God, build the tabernacle, raise their animals, mostly mm. for sacrifice. Yeah. That was, what a life. I don't know. I could, I might like it. I may not. I don't know. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> I, it's interesting to think about because we are so much in our culture driven by the nine to five job mm-hmm. um, that. You know, what, what would life look like if my only responsibility was to take care of me and my family? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still the primary responsibility, but if, you know, if, if my life was go out and hunt and what you kill is what you eat for the day and, you know, make sure we got a roof over our head and patch up the house when we need to, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, granted, we wouldn't have, you know, modern plumbing and all that, like a lot of that wouldn't be around and for at least not as widespread as it is, but yeah, it must have been a, a much simpler life and not necessarily in a bad way. I'm just thinking even of different cultures of today's age. You know, I've, I've got some friends that uh, went backpacking through uh, Italy uh, mm. years back. And one of them, she when she came back, she was telling me how interesting it was that when we meet somebody here, what's usually the first question we ask? What do you do? Yep. Yep. That wasn't what they asked. In fact, they'd probably never asked it. Hmm. You know, where are you from? Which which family like? What do you like to do? Which yeah. for fun? You know, whatever that looks like. But even over there, their life. Now I've never been there, so I don't know for sure. I'm just hearing this, but it seems like their life is not revolved around work. Yeah, they they live more than they work, and it's the opposite for us. Yeah, we work to live. Yeah. So yeah. It, to have a simpler life like that, you know. It, well, and we were just talking about it before we before we jumped on a recording of the importance of taking time to rest and mm-hmm. unplugging and whatnot, because so much of our lives are wrapped up in work, and that and that work can be your nine to five. It can also be your volunteering, your um, uh, ministries you're involved in, all that, all of that stuff that we do, you know, is is what we're involved in, and some of it's hobbies and passion, some of it is how we pay the bills, right? But so much of our identity is wrapped up in those things. And it's, it's so important that we take that rest, but that's not how our society's built. It's, you've got to spare five minutes. What are you going to fill it with? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how are you going to use that? And you can tell it was not that way then. And, and it sounds like maybe in other parts of the world, it's not quite wired that way. America's just screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> we do some things right, but we've got some things we could learn from, uh, yes. learn from others. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stop working ourselves to death. Y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, it, it can and will happen um, if you allow it, for sure. So we were talking about the um, making restitution yeah. uh, with all the sacrifices. And, you know, it's just a lot. I was very intrigued by, as we mentioned in the beginning, how detailed that this is. In mm-hmm. not only did it talk about the the ways to atone for your sins. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it, the, you know, the grain offerings, the, mm-hmm. all of the different animals, the, uh, the drink offerings, the, yeah. um, pretty much if you can think of it, it was some sort of offering, <laughs> right. um, but the sin was so spelled out. It's almost like you could go look at a list of things mm-hmm. on your tablets as you were, not the tablets we know today, right. probably stone here. Okay, what did I do today? All right, I did that and that and that. Okay, I got to sacrifice this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pull these three things together and sacrifice that. It it goes on to talk about 
how the priest also makes atonement yeah. on your behalf. Right. And and I had thought about, you know, I, I wonder if that's, first of all, where the Catholics get that. Mm-hmm. Not knowing a whole lot about, about the way they do things. But as Catholics, mm-hmm. they're supposed to go to the priest right. to confess their sins. And then the priest goes to God. That's not the way it works uh, right. in the real world. But um, because we can go to Jesus freely on mm-hmm. our own. But it started here. And that's interesting to me that there was that go-between. Yeah, I think you you look at, even backing up to Moses as the leader of the Israelites in the Exodus, it was always Moses and Aaron going before God. Mm-hmm. And they brought the message down. That's how the whole golden calf incident started, right? It was Moses went up the mountain to talk to God, and he was going to bring back the law. Uh, and and that, that concept carries through, that idea carries through. And it even talks about it in Leviticus and in other areas about the holiness of, you know, only the Levites are allowed to do certain things in the tabernacle and certain things in the temple. And, um, even goes on to talk about how, if, if a Levite has a defect of some sort that there are certain things he's not allowed to do because that's, that's for the holy place. And, and so there's a certain standard you've got to meet to be able to come in and, and interact with God. But it shows you just how stringent it was and how stringent some, some people in our world today are about that, that, you know, you've, you have to go through somebody else to even talk to God. And, and there's so much evidence to the contrary with Christ. I mean, one of the things that um, I read recently in my personal study was reading through the crucifixion story. And one of the things that happens that's, I think it's recorded in all, all four gospels is that the, there's a curtain that sat between, I guess the temple and what was called the Holy of Holies where the high priest would go to commune directly with God. Well, that, that curtain was ripped from top to bottom and mm-hmm. is a, as a symbol of God reaching down and he's, he's opened that up basically so that we can commune with him. We don't have to go through somebody else anymore, but it's, it's so important when we look at this in Leviticus and how this was set up that you had to go through a priest, you had to go through really, you had to go through Moses and Aaron at this time to talk to God, to, to be forgiven, to, to take your sins to him. It shows just how big of a deal it is that Jesus did what he did and that we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah that Jesus is that person that's standing in the gap for us already. And so we can go to him and say, Hey, I know I've messed up. I'm asking you for forgiveness knowing you're going to give it. I'm messing for wisdom, for guidance, for whatever that is, that he's already there standing in the gap for us for that. It's such a huge deal. But like you said, all that comes back here to what God laid out in Leviticus and defining what does holiness with God look like as an individual and as a community. Well, and this is the birth of the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? This is the mm. this is the books that they followed where they said, no, you have to do this, this, and this, even mm-hmm. after Jesus came. And they're the ones that wanted to put Jesus to death. They're, mm. they're the ones that did put Jesus to death. Right. Because of the first five books that they followed so stringently. Yeah. Not realizing that they didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Even then, I think, if, you, if we really think about it, and we think about all of these rules that, that are in here. You know, we talked about the culture being different, not having the resources for, mm. you know, medicines and, and right. not knowing you need to wash your hands or, you know, things right. like that. Right. Uh, but the the culture, even when the Pharisees were there in Jesus's time, was different than the culture here. Yeah. Because they've, uh, for lack of a better word, evolved. Yeah. <laughs> they've grown. Yeah. And, and they've learned how to do things. Right. 
they were probably okay to eat bacon or if they had to touch something dead, wash their hands. Right. You know, and not have right. to be considered unclean for seven days. Yeah. Um, but they were so locked into these rules, no matter what, that they lost sight of just being decent humans. Yeah. And, and part of the deal with them too, and this is something that we see a lot today as well, is that they took the law and studied it, but they also added their own stuff to it. They right. They would pile on, you know, obviously the first five books of the Bible don't cover everything. So here's all the new rules that we need to follow as well. And that's really what got them in trouble. If you, even today, if we were to study the first five books and you understand the cultural context and what it meant then, what it means for us today and, and do what we're supposed to do with it. There's so much good stuff out of it and teaching us how, you know, God created us, how he intended for us to live and all of that. But when it turns to, like you said, when the focus is on the rules themselves rather than what it was intended for, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you lose sight of it. And, and it leads you to, um, you know, in that case, kill an innocent man. Um, granted, they were fulfilling prophecy in doing that, but, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's interesting how often that, that same thing happens today where we get caught up in religion rather than focusing on a relationship with God. Yeah, it's it, it becomes about the rituals and not yeah. people. Yeah. And for those that might not know what we're talking about, you know, in, uh, in Jesus' time, he didn't abolish the law. What does the verse say? He didn't come to... A, he couldn't come to abolish it. He can fulfill it. To fulfill it, right. Yeah. So he actually made things harder. Yeah. yeah. But the Pharisees are telling people, no, you can't get up and walk after Jesus healed your lame leg. Or, or, right. or you can't go do work after Jesus made you able to see from ble- being blind for all of your life because it's the Sabbath. Right. You know, they they took the law and said, it doesn't matter what else is going on. You still can't do this. Right. And like I said, they lost sight of the people. Um, And at one point, Jesus healed a man and they said, no, you can't heal him. It's the Sabbath. Yeah. And he's and and then he said, "Okay, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, what? Who is this? What are you saying? And and he, he said, well, what's better to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Right. But to show you that I am who I say I am, I'm going to tell him to get up and walk. He's going to walk out of here. Yeah, he did both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, screw you, Pharisees. I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and and that and, and those interactions are so good because they help us understand what it means to be a follower of Christ and what God was looking for all along. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he says it several times. It's in the Old Testament and it's quoted in the New Testament that what God desires is is mercy, not sacrifice. And and that's it's so important to keep that in perspective when we're talking about all the stuff in Leviticus. Um, that what God wants with us is relationship. And the reason we have Leviticus and the first five books of the Bible with the Torah is to help us have a better relationship with God and to grow that relationship. It was never about following each individual rule and having that checklist of, Hey, I did everything right today. All I have to do is offer two doves. Um, <laughs> it, w- it wasn't about that. It was always about living a life that is worthy of the calling that God has given us, which we couldn't do. And so insert Jesus. And that, that's why he came and did what he did. Yeah. And even with all of these laws, I, I or the, all of these sacrifices that they have to do, you know, I'm looking at this, they've got the fellowship sacrifice, a vow offering, a free will offering, a, grain offering, a sin offering, you know, so many different offer, offerings that they need to do. I would imagine 
Mm-hmm. You know, we tell our kids, if you do this, this is going to happen. You know, yeah. if you do, if you don't do what I told you, I'm going to bust your butt. Right. right. This is going to make me not want to sin. Right. Right. I don't right. want to spend all my time doing sin offerings and killing animals. And right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a lot of work. Uh, I don't know. And maybe that's a very, very um, ridiculous way to look at it. But I just think it's an interesting point to to make that um, it would it would make me walk a straight line. I think. Yeah, I, he, you would think. I would. I would hope it would. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, like like you said, he didn't just say don't do this. He said this is the consequence. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there's there is a something's going to happen because of that. Right. Whether it's something that happens to you or it's something that you have to do. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's why it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about Jesus and and everything else that the Pharisees had caused mm-hmm. due to laws. So I feel like that is kind of how it points to Jesus. But what did, what did you come up with for that? Actually, the verse that you referenced just a second ago is uh, Matthew five seventeen says, don't think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. The law and the prophets, which is our, what we call the old Testament. That's the, the scripture. Uh, all of those things are what make up what we now know as the Old Testament. And that's the the scriptures they had at that time. But all of those things were fulfilled by um, by Christ, right? He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. Um, and it wasn't that checklist, I'm not going to do these things. But it was living the way God intended us to live. Which, a little side note, we've been talking about the Pharisees. It tells you just how off base they were with how they viewed the Sabbath and all of that. That... Jesus lived a sinless life and yet did these things that they said were not okay to do. But the law and the prophets were fulfilled because Christ lived a sinless life. He followed the law to the T. He fulfilled all the prophecies that were about him. What he's saying when he says he didn't come to abolish it is to say that we don't just have this free for all. When we, if we accept him and we say, okay, he's, he's Lord of our life. We're, we're going to do life his way. He did not come and just say, okay, get rid of it all. You can do whatever you want. The principles are still there. And, and that's what we've been talking about for this episode is that the, the basics and the principles of the law of how to live life the way God intended still apply. But the difference is that that is not what our salvation is based in. Um, it's not based in following the law to the T and being perfect in that way, but rather in our relationship with Christ. Galatians 5 verses 4 through 6, Paul says, You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace, for we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. The big difference, the reason Jesus matters, is because we don't have to rely on following the law to the T anymore. He fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. That's still that's still the way we're called to live. But our salvation is not through keeping the law and being perfect, but rather through our faith in Christ. Um, when our faith is in Christ, and it's and we truly decide I'm gonna I'm gonna live for Christ. I'm gonna live for Him. Then our life is gonna look different. It's gonna look more like what God calls us to do in those first five books of the Bible. But but that's not what saves us. And that's why what Jesus did matters so much is that he fulfilled it. He took care of the punishment for our sin and all of that. We are called to put our faith in him and to live the way he called us to. And that's, that's what our salvation is all about is our faith in him. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed lambs a lot. And throughout the New yeah. Testament, Jesus is called the um, sinless lamb, right? He, yeah. is, he is the final sacrifice. 
if it weren't for him, we would still have to do all these sacrifices if we wanted to live right by God. Yeah. But even when Jesus was a baby to the time he was sacrificed, they were still making sacrifices. I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, there's parts that say Joseph and Mary were making sacrifices. Yeah. Um, in fact, the it is very likely that um, in the Christmas story, we're getting ready for Christmas, that the shepherds that the angels appeared to were watching sheep near the temple that were to be used for sacrifices. Right. That were you know, kept perfect and all that stuff so that they could be used for sacrifices. Which may be one of the reasons why they the angel appeared to them. Right. To say, hey, you're about to not have to do this anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the perfect one over there. Yeah. I mean, give it 35 years or so, but yeah. you're going <laughs> to... But yeah, he, he is the ultimate sacrifice that, that we need to... Well, Thanksgiving was just around just last week, and I am so thankful that he was the ultimate sacrifice because yeah. without him, we would not be able to live a life that would put us in God's good graces. That's right. So that being said, uh, we've been talking about the, the first five books and, and everything else. So in that, I was wondering, and I wonder if you can answer it, you know, if other religions got their kind of religions from mm-hmm. our Bible. Yeah. So the first five books of the old Testament, and I think we mentioned this name before they're called the Torah. Um, that, and that's what they were called in Judaism. So when you go throughout the old Testament and they talk about the scriptures, they're referring back to the Torah. Um, and the new Testament includes the prophets and all that stuff, but it's the first five books, the books of the law that, that Moses wrote. That's actually the basis for three different, prominent religions today and and four overall kind of in world history Uh, Judaism and Christianity those are pretty obvious Um, Judaism being the Jewish faith that basically believes in the Old Testament Um, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah Christianity adds on Jesus because we know he was the Messiah Um, but the interesting one is Islam the Muslim faith refers back to the Torah and it's interesting for a couple of reasons one is that you can see that they have a lot of the same I guess the the basis for their beliefs is a lot of the same. Their their moral code, so to speak, um, comes from the same place. Now, obviously, the execution of that is very different, um, and what they believe happens after Moses is very different. But you look at um, kind of the kind of the timeline. A lot of people trace Muhammad back to Ishmael, who was Abraham's other son. Uh, Isaac is was the son of the promise that led to um, Jacob and the 12 sons and all that. But Ishmael was his other son by Hagar. And so they, they attribute that line to the faith of Islam, but still the Torah and those first five books and the Levitical law feed into their faith predominantly. And so when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense that the moral code and a lot of the basic principles of right and wrong and all that stuff is very similar throughout the world. Um, And it's because it all comes back to this and, and like we were talking about earlier, that just gives more, I guess, credence and it gives more credibility to what this is and and the fact that it came from God. This didn't just come from man. It's way bigger deal than something man would just come up with on his own. You can see the influence when you look at other world religions, specifically those three. The, the fourth one is Samaritanism. Uh, you see that in the New Testament, but that was basically, without getting too much into it, it was a different set of the Jewish faith. They got mixed in with some other cultures, but their basis was still the books of the law and the Torah. 
That's very interesting. I, I had wondered that reading through these books that we're, we've gotten through at this point, um, because it does seem a lot of the same. And, and the culture yeah. and the, you know, it is a very Middle Eastern type mm-hmm. of culture. Yeah. Which is where a lot of the Islam culture is. And Judaism has come over here quite a bit. Yep. Now, but I wonder about Judaism because they don't still sacrifice, do they? Uh, I don't think so. I think modern day Judaism is more, um, and this this is complete conjecture, I'll admit. I feel like it's more based in the clean and unclean things um, and in the festivals, um, you know, celebrating Passover, um, things like that, much more so than it is um, the sacrificial system and, and that, that aspect of it. I, I'm just curious about that because we just said Christ is our ultimate sacrifice yeah and that is our he's forgiving our sins yeah what's forgiving their sins that you know if they don't believe in christ hmm Hmm. i don't know enough about judaism to speculate um just a thought so maybe y'all can let us know if you know yeah know what that looks like and they're and they're still waiting on the messiah to come that's the yeah, that's the hardest thing with seeing Judaism being as predominant as it is in some areas is that they're still waiting on somebody that's already come. And and the sad thing is they're never going to see that. They're never going to see what they're waiting for um, unless they put their faith in Christ and, right. and come around that. Right. I wonder if when he comes back, they'll say, oh, there he is. But that's the second time. Yeah. You missed is him. It, is it too late <laughs> at that point? There's a whole bunch of uh, um, end times kind of study stuff that is really interesting around that that I don't fully understand to talk about. But there is indications that Jewish people will come to Christ in the end. Okay. So, well, that's good. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. They're they're going to come back around. They're going to they're going to yeah. come back around. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't know, <laughs> and 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 I would have to ask some of my Jewish friends. Um. But yeah, no idea. So anyway, just yeah. interesting to me. It is. Well, we did it. Yeah, that's that's Leviticus. Uh, obviously, we didn't go into a whole lot of detail, but we hope we hit some top level stuff for you and kept it somewhat interesting. Yeah, I feel like it was a lot more interesting talking it out than it was reading it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Twenty seven chapters is a lot, a lot of work through, but it, it was good, good conversation. It is well, but you know, when you really do start looking into it and start asking these questions, it gets really interesting mm-hmm. uh, in the way. And when you start looking into the culture, yeah, uh, that's the hard part. You can just read it. And think, oh, well, this never ends. But when you really start, I mean, neither of us went to seminary. We didn't study, study the Bible. Right. But we do start kind of looking into it and to to be able to help you understand it better. Yeah. It helps us understand it better. So we yeah. enjoy doing this. Yeah. But don't take our word for everything. We do try to give honest information to the best of our ability, but we're not theologians. Yeah, that's right. So look into it yourself, please, by all means. Even our pastor will tell you, double check me. Make sure I'm <laughs> make sure I know what I'm talking about. That's right. And he has like what ten thousand PhDs <laughs> in, in Bible studies. So <laughs> Yeah. He's a pretty smart, smart learned dude. Yeah. So anyway, next week we're gonna be moving into numbers, another exciting book. <laughs> um It doesn't start off real great, but it gets better after that. It does. It does get better. No, we're going to we're going to make that kind of the same way. We skim right through Leviticus. We don't know yet how long it's going to take us to get through numbers. It could be one episode, it could be five. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we get there, but uh, 
uh, we do hope you'll come back and, and uh, hear all about the numbers, 1 through 10. <laughs> no, kidding. And we're looking forward to it. Why don't you get us out of here, Matt? If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share. Keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast, and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.